Arizona, Arizona Sports. Sports, the local the sports, local leader. sports leader. leader, Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset, brought to you by Collins Comfort, AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, 4 o'clock reset. We are halfway home on this Monday afternoon on the Burns and Gambo show. We get you caught up on everything going on in sports. We call it the 4 o'clock reset. It's your one-stop shopping for everything going on in sports. We start with day one of NFL free agency. It has begun in the NFL. Unfortunately, it has not begun for the Arizona Cardinals. And maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing. So far, not one move of note made today so far by the Cards. They know it is to start a free agency, I'm right? assuming like, they want to make sure that they didn't, like, you know, just miscalculate it, you know? I know sometimes you don't see all the calendar invites yeah. that you get sent. I'm assuming oh, yeah. they got the calendar no, I know. Listen, I'm not expecting them to be that busy on the first day, in all honesty. I think, I don't think that they need to make the big splash and the big signing. You're seeing a lot of big deals being agreed to right now. Cardinals have a lot of holes to fill. I think it's best to wait a day or two, let the prices come down, let guys start to panic because nobody signed them, and guys you know, teams that they thought they were going to go to signed somebody else, and then the prices come down a little bit, and then you can be a little bit more active. That's what I expect to happen. I would think the same thing is going to happen. Of course, nothing has happened with either of the Cardinals' free agents as well, at least the prominent guys. Byron Murphy, there's been no word of a signing yet, or at least an agreement. There's been no word of an agreement for Zach Allen to go anywhere else. So, so far, literally nothing has happened when it comes to the Cardinals signing any or any of their players signing anywhere else. Now, that being said, it's been busy around the league today as we all knew it would be. The Raiders get quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, three-year deal worth about $68 million. Yeah, I think that this is a really good signing for the Raiders. Garoppolo, when healthy, is a really good quarterback. If you look at his touchdown and deception ratio, his completion percentage, and he wins a lot of games. Like, his career record is really good. The thing with Garoppolo, of course, is that he's just, you know, he's just injured a whole lot. But, you know, there's a connection there of course, with McDaniel. Those two two guys were together in New England, so it does make a lot of sense that they they get him. The Bears are giving former Bills linebacker Tremaine Edmonds a four-year $72 million deal, $50 million guaranteed. Boy, they're really up in the ante there, right? The Bears, they've made a lot of moves. They've probably been the most active. Two big signings at linebacker. They made the trade, got themselves a wide receiver. Like They've been very active so far to improve that roster. They also get free agent linebacker TJ Edwards from the Eagles. They get free agent guard Nate Davis from the Titans, the trade that they mentioned on Friday, giving them DJ Moore. They've been very busy. Former Bengals safety Jesse Bates planning to sign with the Falcons. Four years, $64 million. The 49ers are signing former Eagles defensive tackle Javon Hargrave. Massive four-year deal, $84 million, $40 million guaranteed. Yeah, 40 of it guaranteed at a career year. 11 sacks. And that's the team that eliminated San Francisco in the playoffs. So he was widely considered the best defensive tackle available on the market they go and get him. Ravens get two offensive linemen. Mike McGlinchey from the 49ers. Former Raven Ben Powers both signed free agent deals with Denver today, bolstering up Russell Wilson's protection. Absolutely. Now, I've always thought that Denver would go after Zach Allen because of the connection there between Vance Joseph and him. But Denver going out and making that big move for the offensive line. McGlinchey, five years, 87 and a half, 50 guaranteed. That's a big move by the Broncos to redo that offensive line. Steelers gave former Cardinals cornerback Patrick Peterson a two-year deal. Well, they lost Cam Sutton. He had been there since 2017. He did a three-year deal with the Lions, so they decided a couple hours later, let's just go get a stopgap guy in Pat Pete, who had a good year last year. He'll be 33 in July, but he did have five interceptions, so after losing Sutton, they rebound, they get Pat Pete to hold down the
the Ford until they can get his replacement. And of course, over the weekend, the Dolphins acquired all pro corner Jalen Ramsey in a trade with the Rams. The Rams will get Miami's third round pick in the 2023 draft and tight end Hunter Long in exchange for Ramsey. The Dolphins, it leaves them with only, what, four picks, I think, in this year's draft total? Yeah. Yeah, and that's a, this is a team that makes a lot of big moves. Remember what they did last year with Tyreek Hill? Now this year with Jalen Ramsey. And they did agree to a two-year deal with Mike White to be their backup quarterback. All right, Phoenix Suns taking on the Golden State Warriors in the Bay Area tonight. No Kevin Durant, no Landry Shamit, this we knew. Suns are looking to bounce back after a nine-point loss to the Sacramento Kings this past Saturday in which their defense failed them against Sacramento. That is no question, especially down the stretch when Sacramento is able to make the big plays. Sabonis with two bas- big baskets and an obviously the huge three-pointer that put it out by Edwards and made it 124-118. Sacramento was able to get what they wanted for most of that game. Fox was terrific. Monk was hitting big shots. Mitchell, too. So it's something that they've got to shore up a little bit if they want to win some of these games. Now you're going up against a Golden State team. They just beat Milwaukee. No Giannis, but they just beat Milwaukee. And they're 28-7 at home. Yeah. Seven in a row they've won at home. They don't lose at home very often. Speaking of Milwaukee, the Suns get them tomorrow on the second night of a back-to-back for tonight's game. Pre-game at 6.30. Tip-off is at 7. Hear the game here on the Arizona Sports app and 98.7 FM. The Devils and the Cats and the Lopes are all dancing to Dayton. Best we can tell, first time three teams from the state of Arizona have qualified for the NCAA tournament. We start with the locals. AESU learned their fate yesterday, and it was a good one. They'll play Nevada for the 11th seed in the West. It's a play-in game in Dayton. That's on Wednesday. The winner of the Nevada-ASU game gets TCU on Friday in Denver. Yeah, Nevada's a team that there's going to be some familiarity there because Des Cambridge and, and Warren, Wash- Warren Washington both played at Nevada. It's Nevada's 10th NCAA appearance. They've got a couple of Sweet 16s under their belt. They went there in 2004. They went there in 2018. They're coached by Steve Alford, the former Indiana star player. They're in the Mountain West Valley. They had four teams get in the, in the tournament. San Diego State, Boise State, Utah State, and them. So it's a good conference. Arizona pulled off the stunner Saturday night. The Pac-12 championship against UCLA. Stunner? Stunner? Okay. You know, was a, oh, you argue. Oh, did we hurt your feelings? Stunner? Oh, poor Gambo's wild. I like they hadn't beat him last year in the Pac 12 championship. I oh. like they didn't beat him this year. Oh, poor Gambo's feelings were hurt because it's a stunner. Sorry, UCLA second tier to Arizona in the conference. They were rewarded with a two seed in the South region. They'll get 15 seeded Princeton. Yes, Princeton, who won the Ivy League yes. after losing. Uh, they, they won it over. Yeah, they lost to Yale both times they played them this year, I believe. And then they get in. So Princeton's a team that's got some talent. They score pretty well. So Yale had won 10 of 11 against them. But Princeton's able to beat Yale in the Ivy Final, and they get their 26th NCAA tournament bid. All right, GCU is also in. Bryce Drew's club will be the 14th seed. They'll face three-seed Gonzaga after they won the WAC on Saturday night. Yeah, that'll be, man, GCU against Gonzaga. Great for GCU to get in. It's a uh, They did a great job in that tournament to get themselves in, but they, they get Drew, Timmy, and Gonzaga, who some people think have a chance to get to the Final Four, maybe win it all. On Saturday, the Arizona Diamondbacks extended potential Rookie of the Year Corbin Carroll. Eight years, $111 million, and has an option for 2031. We're so old, we've got contracts that are pushing into 2031 that could bring 
bring the total value to $134 million. It's a big risk by the Diamondbacks. He's played 32 big league I'll be games. long, long gone by the time he's into that final year. But I'll tune in to you <laughs> to make sure that you and whoever you're doing the show with are talking about, man, what are the Cardinals, what are the Diamondbacks going to do? Are they going to extend Corbin Carroll or not? Yeah. Should they trade him in that final year? I'll make sure I tune into the Am Arizona Sports Hour. in 2031? That's a question right there. World Baseball Classic Pool C games at Chase Field. Team USA 1-1 one one. after beating Great Britain on Saturday. They lost to Mexico last night 11-5. Right. Well, when your pitchers are only allowed to throw 12 pitches in a day, like I don't know how you're supposed to win a baseball game when well, all these everybody like... Everybody's they, dealing with the same rules when it comes to that. I know, and that kind of makes it... I, and I understand you want to protect everybody. Um, I heard Bickley Murata talking about this this morning when I was on my way to the gym. Like, was 47,000 to chase? Why so many? Because it's Mexico. It's Mexico. Yeah. I, because they, like, Mexican sports fans are rabid. They love their country. They support their country. And they, they love this event, too. They, they love this event. I yeah. mean, you get a soccer game with the Mexican national team or a baseball game. Man, they come out to watch them participate. The U.S. is back at it tonight against Freddie Freeman and Team Canada. First pitch there is at 7 o'clock clock from Chase Field in downtown Phoenix. Yeah, that'll be a hard game. It will be. And a great week overall for the Coyotes. That includes last night overtime comeback win against the Wild. Clayton Keller, his second goal in OT to give the Yotes the 5-4 win. Barrett Hayton also had two goals. Keller was honored as the NHL's first star of the week. Four goals, five assists in four games played. Arizona went 3-0-1 in that span. Yeah. Didn't he get the memo about what the Coyotes are trying to do this year? Listen, do you know how many teams that they were ahead of in the Standings right now. This is not, this is not what Bill Armstrong wanted, but the, the team's going out and play. They're ahead of Anaheim. They're ahead of Chicago. They're ahead of San Jose. They're ahead of Montreal. They're ahead of Columbus, and they're tied with Philly. Yeah, like. Yeah, no, nobody got the memo. Bill built it. They traded Chikrin, Gostas Bear, Bugstad, and they, they've won like three games in a row. You talk about not getting the calendar invite. My goodness. What? Apparently the team didn't get the calendar invite, right, from the from the front office No, and they, there. listen, in the last week, they've beaten St. Louis, Nashville, and Minnesota and got a point against Colorado. Yeah. This is after they made all those trades. Text the word Valley to 620-620. Become a Phoenix Suns insider. Get all the latest and breaking news on the Suns and their quest for an NBA championship. Again, text the word Valley to 620-620. It's only been two games, but the Suns without Kevin Durant, it's been a little shaky. How shaky? We'll tell you next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Monday to you. Hope everybody out there had a real good weekend. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Obviously, I did. I beat my wife's ass in pickleball twice. <laughs> Four games. Two games on Saturday, two on Sunday. Took her down. Wow. Shot her out. One of them, 11 nothing. You're. Beat her 11 1 and one of the others. And she 11 6 and one and 11 like five and another. Man, you're a stud. <sighs> you're just a stud. I know, listen. It's. it's I was too busy winning. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we never played before. It was the first time we ever played. It's the first time we ever played. We got pickleball set. And we went and played pickleball this weekend. Uh, Twice. When are you going to play with Fitz? I beat her all four times. Oh, yeah. When are you going to play with Fitz? I'll take him down. No problem. 
I'll take him down. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, oh, my God. I will absolutely take just, him down. Just to see you get served a hot plate of humility, I would love to see you play Fitz and Does football. he play? Yes. He, he plays? plays? He's part of a league. He, like, owns He's a invested league. in the local team I didn't know he does, but he plays? Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he plays. Can't be that good. There was a video going around. He was trash-talking oh. the opponents he was God. playing. Oh, he, he was, huh? smack you up and down, man. Up and down. I don't know, man. I shut my wife out. Okay, your wife and yeah. Fitz? Like, same universe? How old is Fitz? It's not an age thing. It's not necessarily an age thing. Fitz is probably 38? 37. 38. Yeah. Okay. You'd get worked. You'd get absolutely He's 39. 39. Oh, my yeah. God. He's 39. He's an old man. You'd kill him. I don't play people that old. I only play younger people. <laughs> well, either way, I'd pay good money to see you and Fitz on a pickleball court because he would just work you. Suns lose to the Kings 128-119 on Saturday. They got the Golden State Warriors tonight. Of course, we'll have that game here. It's part of a 3-4 and four stretch for the Suns that is as tough as you're going to get. Sacramento at home uh, against the Kings on Saturday. At Golden State tonight, home against Milwaukee tomorrow. It's a brutal stretch. Obviously, no Kevin Durant. He's been ruled out. No Landry Shamit. He's been ruled out. And we're starting to see now. Now, they're going to get Kevin Durant back, obviously. But surviving this stretch without Kevin Durant, yeah, we're starting to see some little hints of how this thing is going to go. And one of the things we saw Saturday night against Sacramento was that they were just blitzing the hell out of Devin Booker, making him try to get rid of the ball. He yeah. scored 28 points, but making other guys But he didn't score, score 40. No, he didn't score thirty five. He didn't. Uh, he didn't. Like, he had that stretch of four straight games of thirty five or more. He, he didn't come close to that. But Ish Wainwright missed, you know, five out of six shots. Chris Paul missed seven out of his nine three pointers. Those guys didn't shoot the ball um, very well. Now this is the this is the philosophy that the Mavericks played on the Suns last year. Is we're going to trap Book all the time, get the ball out of his hands, and let somebody else shoot. The Mavs were very intent on letting Mikael Bridges or Chris Paul. The only guy that they didn't want to trap book is when Cam Johnson was on the floor because they didn't want because he's a catch and shoot guy. But here, I don't think I think the Kings did the same thing. Like we're gonna we're gonna make sure that Booker doesn't beat us. And if if Ish Wainwright and Chris Paul want to jack up 15 threes, that's good for us. We want them to do that. We'll take that over Devin Booker any day of the week. So that that's what you're gonna see a lot of as teams play the Suns right now is that Chris Paul's not the threat he used to be, and teams don't have to worry about like two guys. They just have to worry about one. They just have to worry about stopping Devin Booker. Yeah, especially down the stretch in the game and um, I, I refer back to something that Dave King wrote about on Bright Side of the Sun in which he pointed out that an offense with Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Chris Paul in a crunch time of a game and these are Dave King's words exactly. It's become very predictable. You, you kind of know what they're trying to do. You know what they're out there trying to accomplish so it's easier for teams to defend it because they've seen it so many times. In the last two to three minutes of that game, that Suns offense got stagnant in a big hurry because the Kings knew exactly what was coming, exactly how to prepare themselves for it. And the Suns didn't have that Kevin Durant counterpunch. It's the whole reason why they went out and got Kevin Durant, right? Because they had just kind of stalled in terms of what they could do with what they had, and it had become very predictable. That's going to be part of the problem is that is that you're going to be, you know, on a night when Ish shoots well, 
when Chris Paul shoots well, they'll be fine, right? Then they'll be okay and they can survive this. But on nights when those guys aren't hitting from deep and teams are forcing them to take shots from deep, they're in trouble. So they're this is what some issues. So after Sacramento took a two point lead, Booker missed a three. It was one seventeen, one fifteen sack. Book misses a three. The next shot was Ross airballed a three. Chris Paul had a turnover. Book had an offensive foul. A Koji airballed a three. So they took three three pointers. Only one of them was by Devin Booker. He missed it. A Koji missed his, and Ross missed his. So they're very. You're, you, this is what you want. You want. Down the stretch, you want those other guys to take the shots. You're Sacramento. You want Josh and Kogi to take the three. Take it. You want other guys to take the three. You just don't want it to be Devin Booker. So we saw that in the Sacramento game. We'll see if what, what kind of defense Golden State employs tonight when they play them. Now, here's the other thing from that game. There were a lot of things from that game on Saturday night. Here's another thing to watch moving forward. And this all changes when Kevin Durant comes back, but we don't know exactly when that's going to happen. Terrence Ross, right? I'm going to I'm going to read you his stat line. He played. 23 minutes. He was 7 of 13 from the floor. He was 4 of 10 from distance. He scored 18 points. He had two steals. But he was a minus 18 when he was on the because floor. Because you go right at him. All that. You go right at him. And that is going to be the real thing Monty's going to have to figure out with him come playoff time. Because mm-hmm. while he's such a great strength out there with his shot making, he is such a liability it's out hard, there defensively. It's, it's becoming harder and harder to go, to hide guys defensively in the NBA. Because if you want to get a certain matchup, you can get it, you know? Um, and as long as he's not playing center and is around the paint, you know, you're going to get the matchups. You got you might have to switch two times, but you're going to be able to get that matchup. Look, you know, the, the biggest basket of the game in that Sacramento game was when, when Fox pulled up on Torrey Craig after getting the switch off of a Kogi and getting Torrey Craig on him. But if you want to get Ross on you, you could get you, if you say, Hey, I want to go out, you can go at Ross, at Ross because it's very oh, yeah. simple to get that in the NBA these days. And so that's something Monty has to figure out if it's, is his offense worth the problems that he's causing you defensively. Yeah, and, and the problem now for the Suns is that they've got a few guys like that. Here's Monty after the game in which he really was not happy with the defensive effort at all. Offensively, they score with the best of them, but we had so many my bads and, and blown coverages tonight. It just stacked against us. And then you couple that with them having 36 free throws and then they made some threes, one off the glass, the one at the end, like stuff like that. It was just too many too many holes to dig out of tonight. I, I didn't think we played with the sharpness and game plan discipline that it takes to play against a team that's hungry. And it's not just Terrence Ross, though he's the main guy when we talk about this. It's T.J. Warren. It's Cameron Payne. Again, Dave King from Bright Side of Payne's the Sun. Payne's been terrible since he's come back. Oh, he, you notice how bad Cameron Payne's yeah, been since he's come back? He's really trying to find his rhythm and his groove and I wrote he's not this found down, it. I wrote this down today. I didn't know if we were going to bring it up, but I wrote it. He's 4 for 18 on his three-point attempts since he's come back to the lineup in five games. Do you know what he's averaging points per game in the five games back? Six. I was going to say six or seven. You're right. Can't be much yeah. more than He's that. He's averaging six points a game and shooting twenty two percent from three point range. He hasn't been good. Yeah, no, and that's that's just offensively. Really, the defense that he's playing. Well, I'm going to go back to well. what you said. I mean, you 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 wanted a backup point oh, guard. You better believe you I were did. not. You wanted a backup point guard just in case. You might be right. Just in case you wanted Goran Dragic. Like you brought it up several times. I'll give you credit because if 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 this is the campaign that goes into the playoffs. 
I don't know how you can't play him very much. No, you can't, and then you don't want to play Chris Paul too much, and it leaves you in a difficult spot, right? And you, yep, you want you have several guys you wanted, but I remember you were really high on they should go get Goran Dragic. Yep, uh, go to ArizonaSports.com. Kellen Olson worked really, really hard on a great story about Monty Williams and Kevin Durant from Prince George County in Maryland, where they're all from. You will not believe the amount of basketball talent that has come out of that very small region of the country. Really good read, very much worth your time. Check it out at ArizonaSports.com. Kellen Olson and his story on Kevin Durant and that part of Maryland where all of these basketball stars have come out of. When we come back, what stands out the most looking at the NCAA tournament bracket? Do ASU, are their chances decent against Nevada? We'll go national. Find out next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. ASU in, GCU in, four Pac-12 schools in, U of A a two-seed, UCLA a two-seed. The brackets are out. There's a lot to talk about, especially since what we believe to be, and I haven't seen anybody who said otherwise, first time in the history of the state of Arizona that three Arizona schools have gotten into the NCAA tournament. Joining us right now from FS1, Pac-12 Network, their college basketball analyst, friend of the show, Casey Jacobson, joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line to talk a little tournament. Casey, how are you doing today, man? Guys, I'm doing great, man. I I love March Madness so much. I love the month of March. Uh, My birthday's coming up, and I always enjoy it. you know, right around the second round of the tournament. Um, it's one of the best sporting events that this world has to offer. It's so unpredictable, and I love it every year. I just what? wish my alma mater, Stanford, were participating in it more often than they are. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mean, I haven't been the same since Mike Montgomery left. What's the furthest you went in the NCAA tournament? I forgot. Um, the Elite Eight in 2001, we lost to Maryland. Um, that Maryland team had Juan Dixon and Steve Blake and Lonnie oh. Baxter. Ooh. Really good team, good coached team. by Gary Williams. And uh, we, we lost that year out of the number one seed out west. So oh. almost got to a Final Four, but not quite. All right, let's talk about your impressions from ASU. Based off of what you saw and what you knew, what was your threat level going into Sunday's selection show as to whether they made it? Were you surprised that they did? Not surprised that they made the play-in? What are your thoughts about ASU and where they landed in this case? Yeah, obviously, I've, I've been uh, covering ASU all year, called many of their games. And, you know, with my work at Fox, our bracketologist, his name is Mike DeCorsi, and I was asking him all the time about Arizona State and the Pac-12 in general. And for the last two and a half weeks of the season, he was he kept telling me, Arizona State is the bubble. Like, if I had to, he's like, if I had to say two teams that define the bubble, it would be the Wisconsin Badgers out of the Big Ten and Arizona State out of the Pac-12. He's like, just watch those two teams and how they finished the year. And that was, he told me that before the, um, the half court shot in Tucson. So when that went in, I, I just said to myself, that's got to change everything. I mean, it's, it's got to put them on the right side. So I was not surprised at all that Arizona State got in. Um, but yeah, man, I was sweating it for them um, the last two weeks of, of this season. All right, let's. Uh, they got the win against USC too in the Pac-12 tour. They almost lost to Oregon State, but then they yeah. they they almost <laughs> lost. To, and Oregon State's terrible. Their only road win this year was against Cal. But <laughs> after that, they got the win against USC, and then obviously lost by 19 to Arizona. But let me ask you about their opponent, ASU mm-hmm. and Nevada. And this is a team that in Nevada that two of 
ASU's former players were there last year. Des Cambridge and Warren, Warren Washington. T- just, just initial thoughts on this game. Is this a very evenly matched basketball game? It is. I've covered Nevada as well. Um, Fox has a, a contract with the Mountain West. And, um, yeah, I, I've, I've gotten to know Steve Alford um, even more so now that he's co- coaching there than I did when he was coaching at UCLA. So Nevada team is good. They're balanced. They're, here's the thing. They're, they're not great, though. They're not an elite athletic team, um, but they're good. They're good on both ends of the floor. They have size. You mentioned the, the, the players that are now in Arizona State uniforms that spent two years, both Des Cambridge and Warren Washington. That's going to be super interesting. I can only imagine those guys and, and how personal this game would be for them. Um, and then here's the other thing. So uh, Nevada's leading scorer is Jared Lucas. Jared Lucas uh, spent uh, the first four years of his career at Oregon State. So everybody in an Arizona State uniform pretty much already knows Jared Lucas's game. They don't need to read a scouting report. They don't need to watch film to know exactly what Jordan Lucas wants to do and how he gets his points. However, I will say this, watching Jared Lucas this year, and I talked to Steve Alford about it. He's like, he has gotten better. You, you think that if, you know, a fifth-year senior, you can't teach him new tricks. But he's like, Jared Lucas has gotten so much better at putting the ball on the floor and being able to make tough shots from the mid-range. And there was a game that I watched, I remember, at San Diego State. Nevada beat San Diego State in Reno, and Jared Lucas had, I think, 26 points in that game, but eight field goals were from two. He got to the rim, reverse layups, turnaround jumpers. I mean, he was doing stuff at, that, that I hadn't really seen on a consistent level at Oregon State. So just like Arizona State has to lock in on Jared Lucas. And then the other thing I'll, I'll mention, uh, and then we can go anywhere you want with this, is uh, Nevada is a point guard. His name is Keenan Blackshear. He is not a natural point guard. He made that transition about halfway through the year last season. He's a 6'6", 215-pound wing that, it, that Steve Alford asked to play point guard because their starting point guard got injured before this year even started. So Keenan is, is kind of a big body, weird matchup. And I wonder who Bobby Hurley is going to put on him. Is it going to be Des Cambridge or maybe even Devin Cambridge is going to guard the point guard? I, I, I wait to see on that. One. All right, Casey Jacobson from FS1 and the Pac-12 Network, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Before we move on and ask you about Arizona and their chances in this tournament, 30 seconds in the Casey Jacobson bracket, who do you have winning between ASU and Nevada? Oh, ASU should and will win that game okay. if they're locked in on defense. Okay. I mean, I, I, yeah, they, they just got to take out. Jared Lucas has got to be under his average. And then Will Baker, just the Will Baker's their seven-foot center. He can't go off either. But if they if they just do their job defensively, it's going to be a win for Arizona State. All right, let's talk U of A. The, the, that was a thrilling finale against UCLA. It wasn't a great game. Both teams struggled offensively. But, you know, down the stretch, Courtney Ramey with the big three and then and, and Tiger missing the free throw and then they had a wide-open three at the end. Arizona pulls it off. Back-to-back Pac-12 championships. They'll play Princeton. Casey, I, I, you know, I love this Arizona team, but I know there's some weaknesses there. They're not a good free-throw shooting team. They don't have a lot of depth, and defensively, they struggle at times. I look at the bracket, though, and I think they got in a pretty good position. I think that there's a lot of favorable matchups for them in, this, in that side of the bracket. I would agree uh, that they should get. They, I'm getting uh, having them go to the elite eight in my bracket in the south. Me too. Um, the, the, 
The only thing in Princeton I'll say, that they should roll over Princeton. But can I just mention one matchup that I think is just awesome? Princeton has a guy named Tosan Uloma. He's their best player. He's a 6'8". Yeah, he's their best player. He's a 6'8". Forward who actually acts as their point guard as well, and the reason I mention it, I, I actually call him the Azulis Tubelis of the Ivy League. I, I, I find that matchup really intriguing. Um, it's the only thing that I'll watch when I watch that game. Is is um, you know can Tosan uh, keep up with the Azulis Tubelis? If they advance, which they should, um, I think they're going to play Missouri. And what's what's interesting about Missouri is this is a top ten offense in the country. They shoot it well at all three levels. Uh, Dennis Gates is their first-year head coach. He was a former Pac-10 player, played at Cal. I played against them during my career. Done a really nice job there. They have uh, a shooting guard, Demoli Hodge, who's approaching 100 made threes on the year. And then they have a guy, a big man, their best player, his name is Kobe Brown, 6'8", inside-out forward. So, again, the Julius Tubelis will be tested in both rounds one and I believe in round two with players that are unique skill set and are the best players on their respective teams. So, um, and I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but I, I, I think Julius Tubelis is the most fascinating player personally for me to watch. Why? Because he stunk last year in the tournament. Now, he, he got injured, so let's put it into context. But Azulis Tabelz was not good in his couple of games last year in the NCAA tournament. He's been one of the top 10 to 15 players in the country this year. And I think he'll be on a revenge tour this season or this postseason. I can't wait to watch how he performs. Casey Jacobson, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Presumably you have them losing to Bama then in the Elite Eight? Correct. Is that, okay, that's... But Chase, so you, have, so you have him beating Missouri. Yeah, he, I haven't he, beaten Missouri. He's yeah, U of A in the Elite Eight right. and losing to Alabama in the Elite Eight. Who it, it feels like Casey. We got about a minute left here. Big broad picture here. This feels kind of wide open in, in terms of six, seven, maybe eight teams that are capable of winning it. Do you feel it's that open, or do you feel like it's more fine tuned than that? I feel like it's that open for the Final Four, but I always feel like it's not that wide open for national champions. But let me just get uh, with one wide, broad stroke. I I do want to mention that I think every one seed is vulnerable in their own unique way. For Alabama, it's that they have this cloud of controversy that's going to follow them. They're now going outside of their SEC bubble, and they're going to have to answer questions about that Jemaya Harris murder that happened in January and the questions that they've been dodging all the last month and a half, they're going to have to continue to dodge those questions or answer them on a national stage. I find that interesting. Purdue is a one seed in the East. They're a one-man show. I mean, Zach Eady is the best player in college basketball, but they got two freshmen that they're going to rely on. Um, That's interesting. Houston, their best player, Marcus Sasser, hurt his groin three days ago. I don't know if he's going to be healthy. If he is, like them a lot, but we don't know. And then Kansas, Bill Self is the best college basketball coach that we have in America right now. And he was just in the hospital all last week getting two stints put into his chest. And he's going to coach, but I just don't know if that's going to affect this team if at all. So I I just find that interesting, and that will make it even more um, just like – wild and unpredictable, possibly. Who you got cutting down the Nets, Case? So I got Houston. If Marcus Sasser is healthy, I, there's, Houston's given me no reason to doubt them. They're athletic, season, they're so. physical. I like Houston going all the way, too. Check, they check all the boxes. They got NBA talent, they got experience, they got a good backcourt, a fantastic coach, and the Final Fours in Houston, which I, I think gives them just an extra chip on the shoulder to get there. Big time. Casey, we appreciate the time and the insight, as always. We always look forward to our conversations with you. Thanks for coming on, especially on short notice. 
My pleasure, guys. Have a good week. Thanks, Case. Casey Jacobson joining us from FS1, the Pac-12 Network. Their college basketball analyst. He joins us on the Arizona Sports Line. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe on your iPhone or your Android. You will never miss any of the shows. The Burns and Gambo Show brought to you by Carol Royce, your home sold guaranteed realty. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. NFL free agency. It has been a frenzy since this morning, but not for the Arizona Cardinals. We'll tell you why next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. All right, since we talked to Casey at 4.30, we pushed back our Twitter poll updates. Let's get an update with Zach, who joins us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. Eric's on vacation. Thank you with us for the early part I'm of this week. For, for tomorrow too as well. Right, so. Get cozy in the sea. Yeah, you got a few exactly, days. Exactly. Yeah, all right, stretch out the legs a little bit. Can we get you a drink? Are you good? Uh, you need I, snacks? All right. Yeah. I'm good right now. Good. All right. You let us know if you need anything. We, want we should let him sit in Gambo's seat tomorrow. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Nobody sits in Gambo's seat. <laughs> Javier well, Gutierrez um, sits in Gambo's seat, and even then, that required pulling teeth and twisting. Unbelievable arms. that he did. Uh, disrespect. He wore I a sh- nice suit. You I should, should be get grateful. More tickets on the glass from him for him sitting in my seat. You probably should. Yeah, yeah. I should. Make, Javier, make sat in my happen. seat. Mm-hmm. Make that's, that happen. That's four glass tickets. Mm-hmm. Don't, worry. Don't worry, Gambo. I won't, I won't take your seat. But right, our you. question for today uh, revolves around the Arizona Cardinals and free agency. Legal tampering has begun for the NFL. Cardinals haven't made any signings, but a lot of players rumored to be leaving the Cardinals. Two of them being defensive linemen Zach Allen and Byron Murphy, cornerback Byron Murphy, two hot commodities on the free agent market. So our question for today is if the Cardinals are only able to bring back one of these defensive pieces, who should the Cardinals prioritize in free agency, Zach Allen or Byron Murphy? I think they're going to lose both. Oh, man. I'm afraid they're going to lose both. I, you know, I shouldn't say that. I don't know. I, I don't know if they're going to lose both. I, I just I thought it would be to their advantage to not let it get to this point where they can take offers from other teams. Zach Allen. I, I'd, I'd rather them keep Zach Allen. Me too. Yep. They need to have some defensive line help. Yeah. Our audience is still sticking with Zach Allen, again, at that 58% mark from earlier. Byron Murphy, the other 42 Hasn't moved very much, has nope, it, Zach? No, it has not. Mm. All right, that's the poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. At Burns and Gambo, one word is where you can find it. Yeah, it's been, as we expected, kind of a frenzied day in the NFL. Technically, free agency doesn't start until Wednesday, but uh, legal tampering started today at 9 o'clock, and we know how these things work. Back-channel conversations between agent and team, and it's sometimes in these situations it doesn't take very long for a deal to come around. It's agreed upon. It doesn't become official until Wednesday. For the Cardinals, there's been nothing. I mean, there's been nothing out there so far. And when I say that, that extends to guys like Byron Murphy Jr., to guys like Zach Gallon, to other guys who are free agents from the Arizona. Because so far, there has not been, the best of my knowledge, one player even remotely affiliated with the Arizona Cardinals who has signed somewhere else. Coming or, coming. or somebody who has signed with the Cardinals. Should I stay or should I go? Yeah, nothing so far. No, it's been quiet. And, you know, I mean, that might be a good thing as far as being able to keep a Byron Murphy or keep a Zach Allen. Remember, wasn't Christian Kirk real early in free agency last year? Wasn't that one of the first ones? I, he was the first He was the first wide receiver to go? Yeah. He was the first wide receiver to go. He was the first. He was yeah, early. like he was like, we got hit by this brick. Like, Christian Kirk got what? 
He got how much? <laughs> and that didn't happen for Zach Allen or Byron Murphy today. Maybe that's a good sign. Maybe. I mean, maybe that's a good sign that neither one of those guys thus far has gone on day one. Maybe that means that those numbers that were projected, for, especially for Murph, aren't as high. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see. But I think it's, you know, obviously if a team targets you and they want to have you, you you're probably going to hear about it today that it's going to get done. Maybe those guys, teams like them, but they're not willing to make them like the big free agent signing. Like the Jags did. It's been, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's been suggested to us by some that maybe Jamel Dean's deal with Tampa Bay is some sort of a guideline for what Byron Murphy could get in free agency. Jamel Dean got a four-year deal worth $52 million. Now, I don't know what the guaranteed money is on that, but four years, $52 million, what are you talking about? Roughly less than $15 million per year, $14 million, $13 million per year for Jamel Dean. Average. So maybe Maybe the $16 million was it's a little less. bit high yeah. for Byron Murphy. Maybe that was a little ambitious. We'll see. I mean, and maybe you're right. Maybe the fact that nothing's happened so far with any of those guys is an indicator that things might trend for the Cardinals. Keeping them. You and either you and I are... Are like upset that the Cardinals. No, I didn't think that they would yet. go crazy. I didn't think they'd go big or go home. I think what they do is I think they wait for the market to settle down and try to get some good players on on, on just fairer deals instead of spending a lot of money on one guy. They're not going to go spend forty million dollars in guaranteed money on a player. I don't expect that. I'd be surprised if that happens. They've got a lot of holes to fill now. A lot of times, you know, the big name guys go in, in, in you know in the first day, and then you and we've seen big names right, McGlinchey and Edmonds and Hargrave, Hargrave like the. So a lot of the big name guys went. There'll be others that go. But I think the Cardinals are best suited to kind of wait it out a day or two. Let the dust settle. Let some let some guys, the numbers come down a little bit. And then that's that's when they can strike. Probably the big move today, the most familiar name, was Jimmy Garoppolo to the Raiders, which was also probably the most predictable free agent deal you possibly could have come up with. He goes to the Raiders on a three-year deal in which he gets $67 million, including $34 million guaranteed. It seems like the Raiders have the ability basically to get out of it after two years. Like a lot of these deals, you can kind of get out of it after two years. But now Jimmy Garoppolo joins a group of Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and Josh Jacobs. And the question nobody has the answer to, does this take the Raiders out of looking for a quarterback with the seventh pick in the draft? On the surface, you would think it would, but yeah. I don't know if that's for sure or not. No, I mean, you, I mean, you, you definitely, listen, they, they, they're getting a much more cost-effective contract in Garoppolo than they had with Carr. You know, Carr is $22 million per season. Uh, I mean, Garoppolo. Garoppolo's $22 million per season. Carr was $33 million in 23 and then $73 million over the next two seasons. That would have been about $36. Um, so it's a lot cheaper. You're right. The, the only thing is that Garoppolo is younger. Yep. He's a younger quarterback, not an older quarterback. So he's only 31 years old. Unless you just feel like, you know, I may want to draft a guy because, you know, this is a stop gap guy. I mean, maybe Garoppolo's a stopgap guy at 31 because of all the injuries that you could do that. I mean, that's possible. Uh, I would think that you're good. I would think I would, I'd wait it out a year. I'd, I'd go with Garoppolo, hope that he could stay healthy and lead my team to a bunch of wins. The Broncos were very busy today uh, along the offensive line signing Mike McGlinchey from the San Francisco 49ers, guard Ben Powers from the Baltimore Ravens. They both go 
to Denver in this deal is Sean Payton loading up an offensive, offensive lineman. Offensive line is a priority. Right? I mean, they're, over, they're overhauling the entire offensive line. They, you know, they just got themselves two really good run blockers and spent $78.5 million guaranteed to do it. But all their resources were going into the offensive line. McGill- McGlinchey and Powers, like you just mentioned. I mean, McGlinchey got a five-year deal. And, um, you know, listen, Sean Payton is the new coach there. He really invests heavily in the offensive line. He always did that. So that was his plan. And that's, that's you know, a good coach is going to do that. And again, in New Orleans, he was really big on building the offensive line. And that's what he's doing here so far with Denver. Uh, the Maybe the most pro, high-profile player in terms of how good he is, Javon Hargrave, goes to the San Francisco 49ers on a four-year, $84 million contract. That 49ers defense went from great to greater. I don't know what's greater than <laughs> Great, but they went from great to greater. My God, they needed Javon Hargrave. That 49ers defense is stacked, man. Stacked. Yeah, $40 million guaranteed. He had a career year with the Eagles. 11 sacks, and that's the team that eliminated San Francisco in the playoffs. Most people considered him the best defensive tackle available on the market. You know, they also got Sam Darnold on a one-year deal to come in and be a backup yep. quarterback. But no question, the Hargrave signing was a big one. That's a, you know, now they did lose. They did lose McGlinchey. Right, they did lose their mm-hmm. longtime right tackle. He had, you know, been there for a while, so they did lose him. Uh, but getting Hargrave is a big deal for them. Juwan Taylor, offensive tackle, formerly of the Jags, goes to the Kansas City Chiefs on a yeah. four-year, eighty million dollar deal. Yeah, you always listen. That's that's a good move for the Chiefs. They, you know, last year they went out and they got Tyreek Hill. But you know, you want to put a lot of investments in the line as best you can. So you know, adding an offensive tackle, I would expect now that they move on from Orlando Brown Jr. I would expect that they'll probably move on from him after this signing. So he he's a good player. Brown had you know been there for 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 a little while. Good player, but obviously getting Taylor on that four year deal might spend the end spell the end of his time there. All right, just a couple other real quickies before we go to the break. Patrick Peterson and the Steelers two year deal. Haven't seen financial terms, but a two year deal for him to go to Pittsburgh yeah, on and, that and one. And the big thing there is they had just lost Cam Sutton, who signed a three year deal with the Lions, and Sutton was a really good player, but they lost him in free agent. Agency. So they decided, let's turn our attention to Pat Pete. He could be a stopgap guy for a year until they figure out a long-term solution. But Sutton had been with the Steelers since 2017. He left them, and so they needed to replace him. They got Pat Pete. And then one other one real quick. Ethan Posick, Posick, pardon me, the center from the Cleveland Browns, staying with the Cleveland Browns. He was yeah. a guy who maybe some people thought might end up in Arizona. No, there's no question. I mean, maybe the center market cooled off a little bit. He only got $6 million a year. So I think I'm a little surprised that how how little he got in that deal. But this was a player that a lot of people looked at and kind of said the Cardinals might get him because he's a good center. He's a good quality center. So three years, $18 million for him to stay in Cleveland. Tonight's a big matchup for the Phoenix Suns taking on the reigning champs. Is there anything we're hoping to see at a tonight's Suns game? Plus, an update from the NBA's Western Conference and one you're going to want to hear if you're a Suns fan. That's next. Burns and Gambo.